Welcome everybody to Filmhouse. We are the luckiest probably generation of all time and that is because we get two suicide squads. <laughs> That's right. You thought it, back in 2016 that you'd only ever get one, but no, we get two. Um, we are actually going to be reviewing uh, The Suicide Squad 2021 James Gunn's film uh, this week on Filmhouse, and I have two amazing guests to do it uh, with me. Uh, come on out, Elise Willems and Marcus Turner. Hey. Hello. <laughs> Elise Willems, you of course know from Funhouse and Filmhouse and basically a show every single week. Um, Marcus Turner, you uh, thank you for coming back and joining us again. Thank you for um, having me. From the Cosmonaut Variety Hour. It's an amazing channel. If you love movies, I mean, honestly, if you love a lot of media, because I feel like sometimes you even cover other things too. Um, just a super fun, uh, good oh. way for people like me who want to get good film criticism in a, like a really, I don't know, bite size isn't the right, because some of your videos are a little long, yeah, but either like way. Seven, seven minutes. <laughs> it's comedy, it's it's criticism, it's movies, it's media, it's great stuff. Uh, you joined us Thank previously you. for our Snyder Cut yes. uh, review. Feels so and long ago. It does feel so long. <laughs> it, does. it feels it feels how many Snyder Cuts ago was that? Because that's how oh. measure time. <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> um, but I'm really happy to have you back um, to discuss the Suicide Squad. Um, I want to do two disclosures at the top. Um, we work for Rooster Teeth, which is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, which is the company that made this, Warner Media. And so just keep that in mind. Uh, we just want to make sure you're aware of it. And the other disclosure is that I watch a lot of Marcus's videos and tend to agree with him, I would say 99% of the time. So this may feel like an echo chamber. <laughs> and I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't know how Marcus felt about the film when I asked him to be on. But him being here, I'm pretty confident this is going to be a fun review. Um... So now that those are out of the way, let's just jump right into it. We're talking about The Suicide Squad 2021, written and directed by James Gunn after he was fired by Disney for like three weeks. He did this all in three weeks. Uh, 132 minutes stars Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, Viola Davis, John Cena, and Joel Kinnaman, among many, many others. I just want to toss this out to uh, Elise. Why don't you jump, kick off this, and, and jump off with oh, your thoughts? Oh, uh, damn. I wanted Marcus to start so I could just be like, uh huh, uh huh, because he uh -huh. would actually like put it in an eloquent way. I love this. <laughs> I, I love this movie. I, I was I was a little bit predisposed to love it going in because I enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I was sold on the trailer for this. I loved the idea of James Gunn saying I'm going to soft reboot this. I saw all the early reviews and feedback, so I was also kind of biased thinking like this is going to be a great movie and I it delivered completely. Something I think a lot about with James Gunn and maybe you both agree or disagree is that he's a guy that came from trauma. He came from this very kind of, uh, you know, trauma being considered sort of the, the unintellectual avant-garde avant-garde <laughs> movie world. Right. He's, he came from a place where he, his calling card doesn't really come with a lot of prestige, I think is maybe the, the external bias that he would have. And, I love that he's now Hollywood's golden boy and he's mm -hmm. making these movies that are like critically acclaimed and this, the, the stigma of maybe, Oh, this guy came from trauma doesn't affect him. I actually think it works to his strength 
because I think all the crazy weird shit that he liked putting into trauma movies and that, mm-hmm. that was his bread and butter fuses beautifully with the comic book genre and he's making like amazing weird fun stuff because of that and it's like maybe Disney sh- DC Marvel Warner should be pl- like plumbing more directors from mm-hmm. uh, these weird av- weird avant-garde stuff. places yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's Marcus, where I'm at what are, you, what are your broad thoughts on the on the film I uh, like Elise I was I saw the trailers and I'm like yeah this is gonna be this is gonna be good it's a done deal mm-hmm. Like it, it <laughs> with James Gunn being able to do kind of whatever he wants and mm-hmm. like I like the Guardians movies a lot. Like I think those are, you know, some of the best superhero movies like they definitely changed the trajectory of like the MCU, in my opinion. Like that's kind of like the point where things kind of changed because like mm-hmm. before that was like uh, Age of Ultron and that's still kind of like a normal Marvel movie mm-hmm. for the most part. And But yeah, like, yeah. when Guardians came out. I think studios were like, oh, people like weird stuff about characters that are like kind of dumb. Like before that, Rocket Raccoon would not have been like a household name, but he can take these characters and make them interesting without like, you know, like, like you said, he can use his kind of like strangeness from like the trauma stuff. Like people like seeing weird, pulpy, stylistic choices in movies sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. like Quentin Tarantino uses like title cards and like, classic movie tropes and stuff like that and and people enjoy seeing that because you don't see that all the time and in this movie Mm -hmm. you get like a very kind of pulpy comic booky like kind of like trashy in a way but like in a way that Mm -hmm. works and i think Mm -hmm. it worked really well i think in your review marcus you talked about how the title cards in the movie actually distract you from maybe some of the structural problems yeah like it's like normally like if I'm reading a trade paperback of a comic and it's like, you know, issue Batman issues 500 through 506. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. be like, oh, you know, issue 503 was kind of like slow and boring. Mm-hmm. But it felt like this was kind of like a comic book, like like trade paperback. Like, you know, some some chapters may not be, you know, as exciting or. You know, but they do contribute overall to the finished product. So, like, some of the pacing issues for me were forgiven by the fact that I was in my head, like, oh, I'm, like, reading a comic book, and this is always mm-hmm. the new chapter where they're going to go save Harley. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It It is interesting because we've, we're at the point where we talk about the comic book genre, like, the, even beyond superheroes, right? Superheroes yeah. have been around for, like, four decades or whatever in terms of film. But uh, more, maybe? When was Superman? Um, but uh, a while ago. Uh, yeah, but uh, it, this is this feels like a comic book film. Like this is someone who understands what makes comics interesting and is really trying to translate that into a screen experience, as opposed to adapt like Captain America into a movie. You know, and so yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree. This feels so. It felt so fun, and the pairing down of. The cast, you. I feel like you can't discuss this movie without also um, talking about the fact that it's like I don't. Need, I I hesitate to use the word sequel because yeah. it it almost it's it's a it's a not since maybe Gremlins two 
has a movie has a movie come out that has so much disdain for the movie that that it came before it you know like and i know that word seemed harsh but it's like actually in there and i kind of love it i I love how this movie is like yeah okay so we're not just going to write everything off but we're only going to take honestly the best bits the only things that were worth worth uh harvesting from that first film and then transfer it into this one but even that we're going to be like you have to you have to let you can only join this party if you're willing to let go of the other party that you were a part of um but yeah all in all i loved everything you guys are saying the structural aspect of it and how it hid kind of those slow moments i am of the broad camp that i don't think these we've gotten to the point where movies are now like two to two and a half hours and they don't have to be um elise and i started watching pig last night and the only real, I mean, other than the good reviews, the reason we started watching it is that it was 90 minutes. I so between watch that, that. It was between that or A Quiet Place Part 2. And we basically went with the one with the shorter run. <laughs> um, and so I am totally of the you can make something that's 90 minutes long and it'll totally be worth the price of admission. Um, but this didn't really felt didn't didn't really feel like it it dragged in too many of the wrong places. Right. Yeah. Um, Question. Yeah. Uh, all all of the marketing for this has said it's not a sequel. Mm-hmm. Is it a sequel? Uh, it is. Like the thing yeah. is, it is a sequel. But it's the it's the one. It's the kind of sequel where like you don't have to watch it. Like you don't have to watch the one before to to totally mm-hmm. get it. Like there's some context you may miss, mm-hmm. but I think the beginning of the movie wraps everything up. Like in like that first like couple minutes, like. There's a mission bomb in your neck. This is your mm-hmm. commanding officer. Don't die. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like that's all you really need to know. And the movie sums it up perfectly. I think if, mm-hmm. if you saw this for the first time contextually, you'd understand that Harley Quinn and Rick flag have like a history. They know each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Captain Boomerang. And Captain Boomerang. Hey, yeah. Boomer. <laughs> yeah. They make it very clear that she's done this before. This is not her first time doing one of these. And that's kind of all you need to know, really. Yeah, I think this movie also benefited from what has been the weird 2020-2021 marketing machine for films, which is, you're, for me, I'm like in the movie theaters every single weekend, and so you're, you're bombarded with trailers for months, yeah. and so ultimately you feel like you know everything that's going to happen anyway. I only I saw some of the trailers for this movie, but ultimately it was easier to just choose not to watch newer ones. Yeah, and that whole opening, that whole opening came as kind of a surprise to me. Like I knew that he was he was jam packing the cast so that way they could die off in the film. Right. And actually deliver on the title and the premise of it being a suicide squad, but not to that degree. And especially with the people, you know, like Pete Davidson doing pro like promo and press for this yeah it's very funny i wasn't i wasn't <laughs> expecting him to like within the first spoiler alert for the first five minutes of the film basically everyone you see walking there minus rick flag on the right die within the first 10 minutes in in just a complete barrage yeah. of bullets and pain uh and it's 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 funny. It's great. It's perfect. It's like like we're saying about how it's an extension or a sequel or something or whatever. Uh, it basically says you don't need to know what happened before. But if you if you do, this is more fun for you. And if you don't, you're already caught up to speed. Everyone's at the same pace. 
um, which I really liked a lot. Yeah, I um, I had like an idea that they would really play off on the Suicide Squad aspect and kill off a good chunk of the characters. Like when I saw that that mm -hmm. one trailer, I think it was one of the first trailers where it just like name after name after name after yeah. name. I'm like, I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I see Nathan Philly in there, and he only shows yeah. in, shows up and stuff to die in like the first episode of the first like mm -hmm. five minutes. He yeah. is yeah. not sticking book. around. Yeah, and it, I was like, but I didn't think it would happen like immediately, like literally first five minutes. Yeah. Half half of the characters on that poster are completely oh, yeah. done for, and and just the the way that that they executed on it, having a team B team, and you know mm -hmm. your yeah. A team gets slaughtered, save for two of them, and then the B team emerges out of the water. They they're on this exact same mission with the same directive. They're just in two different yeah. drop locations. I thought it was such a such a fun way of doing that. And then the title drop, like you're like, oh no, this yeah. is what the movie's following. That's actually it was so it's yeah. artful. Such a good opening. So, so we can we uh, we're gonna open it up. I, I, so just kind of to get into the plot for anyone who's like, I have no idea what they're talking about because that is always a concern. Um, this movie is almost a war film. So it basically is. There's an island that they say is somewhere in South America, um, Corto Maltese or something, and uh, and so basically a team is sent to investigate right they have the, they have a lot their mission is very diverse but basically sent to investigate a very suspicious thing project starfish i believe which is some sort of laboratory experiment that's happening and it wasn't as big a concern before but the regime has just changed in this di dictator island nation and so they're concerned about the new leaders that are in place and how they might use this. So they're basically sending a team to go in and. and yeah, it's it's America yeah. preserving America. America really. preserving America, <laughs> which is actually really fun, too, because, you know, all of this breeds into letting James Gunn do what he wants to do and make like an anti superhero film. Right. Like cause so much of like Man of Steel or any of these things. Oh, like. Superman represents America. Yeah. And, you know, if you read stuff like Red Sun, it's like, why? Because he landed 12 hours away from where he would have landed if he had been fired from Krypton, whatever. And so, like, this kind of puts that on its head and confronts it on its deeper themes. But then just at the top of it is just a good group of people having to learn to work together, even though they have basically nothing in common and don't necessarily work very well together and accomplish this mission on an island um and like elise said there's an a team and a b team and you don't realize you're watching the b team until about 10 minutes into the movie when the entire b team including michael rooker who is your perspective into the film up to this point is completely killed off and then you're introduced to the a team then you touched uh, on it with guardians marcus i didn't i was not familiar with any of these i guess anti-villains before uh, you know, and, and that's what I loved about Guardians, too, is he took these characters that I did not know existed, didn't give a shit about and elevated them into something really fun. Uh, and yeah, did you know, like, what was your background with this? Uh, I I know King Shark and I'm trying to think of who else is in the movie. I think I've read a comic with Bloodsport in it. Some of the, the thing is, like, some of these characters, like, are purposefully chosen for being kind of worthless so like mm -hmm. yeah i like the joke that like uh john cena's character and and um idris elba like they're the same guy oh 
they, I love they, that. They're the same dude. Well, and mm-hmm. it's you, also you don't need to worry about the characters and what their origins are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also kind of mocking and like self-referential to the fact that I feel like the, Will Smith's Deadshot is also that character yeah. too. <laughs> it's the same dude. And so yeah. it's kind of like them being like, okay, yeah, well, we made Idris Elba this new character, Bloodsport. You know, he's gonna he's maybe Will Smith will come back in a future Suicide Squad. Who knows? But they are essentially like the same character, and we're yeah. gonna have John Cena be that. Like that worked so well. Yeah. It worked so well. And John Cena showing up for all the press in his peacemaker yeah, costume. Yeah, he wears the costume. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. It's so great. I, I was reading that uh, he he originally offered James Gunn originally offered the part to Dave Batista of Peacemaker, mm. and he said, "No, I'm going to go do Army of the Dead." Um, oh, okay. All right. Which okay, it's like, buddy. all right. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. But sure, I'm like, you know, Dave Batista. Well, I think that he's really funny as Drax. I don't know that he could have pulled off the bait and switch of mm-hmm. peacemaker and how complicated hero yeah that he is as yeah. well dave batista yeah. is so dry and that's what makes him funny john cena is so genuine yeah and that's what makes him funny like i i don't know how much you follow wrestling but like when john cena was like so popular it was like he's so he's in jean shorts and he's coming out rapping with chains around his neck but then also salutes like the flag <laughs> like, it, like it, but like the only reason he wasn't he didn't fall into that like there's so many dead gimmicks in the world of professional wrestling the only reason he didn't fall into that is because he's genuine like somehow he can do that and this is it's it's wild for me to think of a different version of this peacemaker right like yeah it just it's because he was perfect in it he he really i think he was probably what stole the show for me like mm-hmm. i i've been kind of wanting john cena to to get into bigger roles and stuff like that because um i i'm slightly familiar with him in wrestling and i'm like i like again like how genuine he is i like that he it doesn't matter how corny he is he he knows he's given it his all mm-hmm. and i think this is like the perfect kind of character for him like this is the one the character where he gets to do the most like mm-hmm. he's basically playing like if john cena was a supervillain, like this is what he would mm-hmm. be and yeah. i i think it works for him really well yeah and i think also as a character again what makes it fun i had the exact same experience with uh marvel that you did where every i feel like every single time i'm getting tired of it like uh, one comes in and restarts my engine yeah, and guardians of the galaxy in. Guardians of the Galaxy was definitely that for me, that first one, because I was like, oh, I don't. And the trailer to me, I never thought the trailer was funny. And I watched it it's like, oh, my gosh, this is great. And they have a great dynamic. And I love this cast. Um, this feels like the same thing again. And maybe it's just James Gunn. But like the fact that John Cena doesn't even like know he's a villain. Yeah. Like is something that you wouldn't really get in a superhero movie of any sort of traditional standard like you know like captain america he's it's it's very similar to captain america in a lot of ways but you don't think about the fact that like oh wait didn't you see how he would be perceived as like a complete and horrible person for these actions that he's taking i think james gunn or john cena himself described him as douchebag captain america (laughs) yeah that makes sense i like that he's the one character like they kind of tell you why everybody got arrested but he's mm-hmm. like the one that they don't 
they don't tell yes. you. But as the movie goes on, you're like, okay, this guy's he's a bit yeah. he's a bit too much. I kind of get why without them yeah. needing to tell me. He he has his own moral code, moral code and standards that he upholds. But then you're like, are those really the right standards and moral code? Yeah, just yeah. so more fa- much more fascinating than like just good guy who you know is is just you know not not flawed in any way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, it's not all new characters. So I think we haven't talked enough about Idris Elba, who I also think is fantastic in this. It's it's tough because they have a lot of these big personalities. I mean, King Shark, obviously, <laughs> being in this film. And it's a different interpretation of King Shark than I was familiar with. I'm mostly familiar with the Ron Funches uh, Harley Quinn cartoon oh, yeah. uh, version yeah. of King Shark, who's very different. This is like like he's more like a Groot type and yeah. and it I was worried as soon as it started I was like oh James Gunn's gonna try and go to the Groot well again but it yeah. works it just works it works so well well yeah. but I do think that Groot Weasel King Shark are all in that camp of like pathetic anthropomorphic <laughs> like whatever where like King Shark, anytime that he was doing or saying anything, I was just like gushing over it, saying he just wants to be a part of things. He just wants to mm-hmm. to like it's it's he it's like James Gunn has this ability to like personify and imbue personality into what is almost close to an inanimate object like this. This dumb as a doornail shark mm-hmm. uh, is like he's so amazing. He's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think like um Groot is more of kind of like a prop most of the time. Like he he's talking but only one character can really understand what he what he's saying and that does give personality to the character. But I mean like in Guardians 1 Groot doesn't really, you know, do he mm-hmm. he does things for the characters but he doesn't have a character really. You don't know what he likes and what he wants. Whereas King Shark like is a character. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. in the he says sort of more lines but with those yeah. With like the with his mannerisms and stuff, you get a lot of character out of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, him reading the book upside down. Yeah, that's <laughs> the first scene. You, first scene you see him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you're like, okay, I know exactly yep. what this is. This is some character that somehow fell into a vat of waste or something, gained consciousness, <laughs> and he wants to be regarded a certain way, yeah. but mm-hmm. doesn't have the intellect to meet that expectation. And like, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah. I like how. Yeah. No, sorry. You go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna. I was gonna. Yes. Agree. I, I I like the um, kind of with that. The I like this is all in the first few minutes. Like when you see a character within mm-hmm. like thirty seconds, you will understand that character mm-hmm. for the most part. And contrasted with like the first Suicide Squad, where we have like like five minute long, like flashback montage scenes that don't Mm -hmm. really even teach us anything about the character it just Mm -hmm. shows us something they did one time Mm -hmm. it's just in in such a short amount of time this movie can sum up a character and who was slipknot (laughs) who was slipknot i still love listen can we can we divert and talk about suicide squad 2016 just just so so (laughs) briefly actually we're gonna we're gonna we're going to take a quick uh, break and then we'll be back and we're going to just I promise we're only going to talk about it for a little bit. We're going to get back to the new one. I just cannot resist. So we'll be right back. This episode of Filmhouse is brought to you by 
purple. I don't know about you, I love the summer, but sometimes it's a little hard to get a good night's rest. Maybe I wake up at 3 a.m. because my neighbors are throwing a party. They shouldn't be doing that. It's irresponsible, or more likely, it's because it's too hot and my bed has become a disgusting swamp. But with a purple mattress, uh, it'll help you sleep like an angel on the clouds. It'll stay cool and comfortable no matter how infernally hot it is outside because only Purple Mattress has the grid, a design so fancy it's capitalized. The grid is a ventilated design that lets air flow right through your mattress or pillow. The grid keeps you cool, but it's also supportive for your back and legs, and yet it still cushions everything you want cushioned, your shoulders, your hips, your neck. You feel you feel like you're just lying on a conforming wonderful cool thing honestly the grid makes a big difference it seems silly and i know it sounds like corporate speak but the ability for air to keep flowing through the things that you put your head on or for me i love to have a pillow between my knees um it just keeps things cool it also feels sciencey which i kind of like you know I don't want a pillow that has feathers in it. I want a science pillow, okay? What does Albert Einstein sleep on? That's what I'm looking for. Uh, purple is comfort reinvented. Right now, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash filmhouse and use promo code filmhouse. That's purple.com slash filmhouse. Promo code filmhouse for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash filmhouse. Promo code filmhouse. Check the terms. They apply. This episode of Filmhouse is brought to you by Freshly. Who says eating healthy has to require a lot of work? I know that it doesn't. Freshly's meals are chef-made, they're nutrient-packed, and they are delicious. And you don't even have to cook them. At Freshly.com, you can choose from over 30 satisfying, better-for-you meals like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, or their chicken pesto bowl, which sounds delicious to me. Freshly has a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for differing dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. You think you have this association of popping something in the microwave or getting some sort of pre-made meal and it not being, number one, delicious or nutritious, but Freshly has both of those things. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Filmhouse. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Filmhouse for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash Filmhouse for $40 off your first two orders. Okay, the ultimate, the shortest we can ever <laughs> discuss this movie. Uh, before we started, I talked about how there's only a handful of films that are on my this is this is like the worst thing I've ever seen. Suicide Squad 2016 is is perpetually for me one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It was a miserable experience, even though the theater was perfect. It was a miserable <laughs> experience. I was unhappy the whole time and i felt so good that in your review you gave it an unprecedented one out of ten um yes. but uh it does it's so funny because now we have two movies that have the same name which are trying to achieve the same goals and one does everything wrong and the other does most everything i would say 90 percent of things right it's just they should show these two in film studies classes because they are just like they could not be better opposites of each other. Yeah, they are almost complete opposites. I was mm -hmm. going when I was editing my uh, my uh, review for the new one. I went and get got some clips from the old one, and like just looking at them side by side, like one is <laughs> dark and disgusting and yeah. looks awful and has oh. like if you press play on that clip, it's not going to be cut properly. And then mm -hmm. one is 
it has color and life and energy in the performances it's it's so baffling that they're basically like i would say that i think the new one doesn't totally isn't like "Ah, for you know that other movie sucks it sucks it's horrible like it does like bring things up that you do need to know like you you have to have knowledge of the first movie and they're not like completely shitting on the the other movie but the fact that if you watch them back to back it it is gonna be very very strange yeah it feels like it feels like a stand-up comedian like a really amazing poignant philosophical stand-up comedian like making fun of something on stage where it isn't just put downs like it isn't insults but it's like we have to acknowledge how terrible this is because you know the suicide squad 2016 it doesn't have characters it has pastiches of characters that you don't know what their wants or their needs are and they often conflict with themselves from scene to scene it doesn't have a setting it takes place in city oh yeah (laughs) there is it starts i believe in like louisiana but then it moves to city and then it's just in city right and so this one this one is like you know the people, the wants and needs of the people. Okay, James, but it had Batman. It did have it did have two scenes. And this movie ba- doesn't Batman. have Batman. It doesn't have Joker. It doesn't have any of the heroes that I know and love. But even Batman's relationship to all of them was very unclear. Batman didn't land like, on a car in this one. <laughs> yeah, he didn't well, land do, on a car. They mention. I mean, they mentioned Batman because isn't Bloodsport? Didn't he? He shot him with the. No, no, sorry. They mentioned Superman, Superman because Bloodsport shot Superman with a, crypt, a kryptonite bullet. Yeah. And I went, which, which honestly <laughs> is, is if you think about the two and you're comparing the two, Bloodsport is in in jail because he shot a kryptonite bullet into Superman. You're like, oh, shit, like that's that's intimidating. Whereas Deadshot gets grabbed in an alley <laughs> <laughs> after shopping like, at Macy's. He just gets that's how they're telling the that's how they're telling the audience, like how you should feel Aww. about one or the other. Of course, I would I have to mention I was I wa- almost wanted to tweet at James Gunn and ask if it is canon that uh, Killer Croc was watching BET while the events of the new movie were taking mm-hmm. place. Um, because, again, <laughs> not, one character at least had a want. And that's Killer Croc, and it was BET. <laughs> um, but uh, they could not be any different. But what I love about it, I almost am happy that this other movie exists because for the longest time I was really upset because it's terrible, and then it made like a billion dollars. Oh um, yeah, people love this movie. Like people will watch yeah. it on purpose. It's, it's horrible and then even the snyder cut acknowledged that it existed like i just wanted it to just go away and die but now i'm okay with it existing because of the new one because i think what we're talking about there's characters that come back and i think those characters they pick and choose the ones that we liked i had no i captain boomerang was like a nothing but i didn't necessarily have issues with him i didn't know why he was there but i didn't necessarily have issues with him being there he didn't open his mouth and directly contradict himself <laughs> like other characters did. Um, and then also I felt bad for Joel Kinnaman because, you know, he tried what he could do with Rick Flagg. And then, of course, we have Margot Robbie, who is now Harley Quinn. And so James Gunn, it looks like he watched those, brought these into the new one and said, what can we do to <laughs> there? Of course, Jared Leto. Um, this shot is so uh, funny. It's like I know. the the characters in this that matter mm-hmm. in the new movie are very yeah. very few. Yeah, we're we're looking at a cast photo for the Suicide Squad 2016. Um, but by the basically the midpoint 
of the new Suicide Squad, these characters all have like like goals and they have wants and needs. And they've also subverted the expectations that they were given in the previous one. Obviously, Harley Quinn had Birds of Prey to kind of develop a little bit, but I don't know that she ever truly shook off the gunk from Suicide Squad until the scene where she is taken to the lead, the new dictator. And uh, and he basically wines and dines her. And it's this romantic montage of them, like finding love together. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And as a viewer, I'm thinking, really, she's doing this again. Like after all this, she's (laughs) doing this again. And then he he's like, will you marry me? And she's like, sure. And they bang. And then. Uh, and then he basically reveals his plan of what how he wants to use this super weapon for world domination. And then, boom, he gets shot. <laughs> the, like what up to this point, the main villain is his chest is blown out and he's shot by this massive gun. And she's like, "Ooh, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. <laughs> I loved this Harley Quinn. I thought yeah. it was the the best one yet. I wasn't I, I wanted to like Birds of Prey more than I think I did. Mm-hmm. Um and I love that Harley Quinn, of course, her story is that she she gets captured, but then falls into this weird hyper romance with a dictator of mm. the very place that they're meant to infiltrate. And uh, it, it just just the, every, uh, you know, uh, all the, the signaling of her is completely different. Right. She's got like her her cool clown jacket instead of daddy's little monster. Mm-hmm. She's not Joker's accessory any, anymore. She's kind of just flying in doing, doing her own thing saving herself like i i loved it mm-hmm. i did i did find that uh in terms of pacing her kind of like you know little uh off story felt it, it did feel a little bit weird mm-hmm. yeah. but again like marcus was talking about the it feeling more comic book and uh like like issues i i just kind of went mm-hmm. along for the ride and it didn't didn't matter yeah that was the point of the movie where i was like like as it was going, I'm like, I know this is going somewhere, but mm-hmm. I'm not where? feeling where it's going yet. And but it has a good payoff. So I kind of like, you know, you forgive it because this movie's really good at surprising you. I, I think mm-hmm. that's one thing that I really appreciate about the movie is that especially with characters that are expendable and you don't know who's going to die, like in fight scenes between mm-hmm. two characters, you're like, I have no idea who how this is going to turn out. I don't mm-hmm. know what this movie is going to throw at me because this isn't like Superman, like in a Superman movie, like, you know, Superman probably will be okay. I mean, actually Superman dies a lot in his movies, but like in a Batman <laughs> yeah. movie or a Spider-Man movie, you're like, there's no tension mm-hmm. that the main character is going to just die. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this movie, it keeps you, it keeps you kind of engaged with like, this is kind of a, like in, in the first five minutes, half the characters already died. The characters mm-hmm. that I'm following, I don't, I can't guarantee their safety in my own head. Mm-hmm. And I think it needed the characters to not be safe and to all be considered collateral because the base bones plot really wasn't anything so innovative or new. Like the Project Starfish, Starro mm-hmm. the Conqueror, the Thinker, while all kind of fun and having their own like James Gunn spin on them. It's, you know, it's not really that different from like an Ozymandias having a giant mm-hmm. squid 
yeah. that he can like teleport. Like it, it really, I liked Starro and I liked, I liked, you know, that his final line of, you know, I was, I was happier looking at the stars yeah. mm-hmm. or whatever. I was like, oh, I really enjoy this. Um, but it didn't really feel like anything so new, which was, which was totally fine. Yeah. It, it, at the very least for me was a diversion from what is become the standard which I know is what he's going to say. You're going to say is that every single enemy in the Marvel universe is a reflection is a dark reflection of the hero like constantly. Yeah. And even even in the TV shows like, you know, the the antagonist of the actual antagonist of Loki is Loki. Yeah. You know, like it's like literally at that point. And it doesn't it doesn't ruin them for me, but it's definitely something that I'm tired of seeing. Like, I don't want to see a palette swap fight a palette swap uh, in a CG battle at the end. And so whereas Starro is more like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man than he is an actual villain, it made for a more exciting climax because it wasn't just Dark Harley Quinn or, you know, it, it wasn't even like a uh, 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 peacemaker versus uh bloodshot right or yep. bloodsport sorry <laughs> there's, there's too many uh bloodsport it wasn't it wasn't even uh that right which kind of would have been like okay there's one's a one's a reflection of the other it knew that and it avoided it specifically like they barely have a confrontation yeah. and then they were like all right now let's fight our our stay puff marshmallow man and i was so relieved because that to me is just more compelling and I love that the giant space starfish has more character than mm-hmm. the Enchantress, who is, oh, right. yeah. you know, a character that is a, supposed to be a character, but mm-hmm. we don't know anything about her for the whole oh, movie. I but we get more about, the about this. We, the starfish is more of like, like, even just that last line, like that last line is like a very like James Gunn, like. Every character is going to be sympathetic, even the giant mm-hmm. starfish that just killed thousands of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite, I was curious what you thought about Polka Dot Man, specifically in regards to the whole mother, uh, you know, obsession and I and think the movie thought trauma. it was funnier than it was. I agree. That's, that's exactly because I kind of, when he was sort of describing like his mother subjecting he and his siblings to all that... And then they do the reveal of, you know, oh, this is all he sees. I was like, this is a even for me, this is a little dark. I yeah. don't I don't guess I don't get the fun and games of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like this shot, like this shot here holds for like a really long time. They want you to sit and laugh in the theater for a minute. Yeah. And I was like, I, I get I get that. It's funny. You know, it's funny because we, you know, it shows up like three times. You know, rule threes. Mm-hmm. But. The, the movie does think it's funnier than it is, unfortunately. Yeah, I, that, I would say that I would say the one that I, d- I did enjoy when he's dancing and yeah. the camera spins around and then like because it's kind of like not a blink and you'll miss it. This one, th- this one is definitely in your face where he sees them as all the different characters of the Suicide Squad in the jungle. But the other one feels kind of like a oh, right. Oh, it's all them. Like you're not looking at the faces in the crowd. And if you are, you kind of see that it's his mother. Yeah. I, all of that, though, is kind of what you're talking about, where like the character they no matter who they are how disposable they are how expendable they are they have things that they're going through and they're dealing with yeah. and i i love it and i hate to keep comparing it back to 
the 2016 version, but none of those characters seem to be dealing with anything really like that, that even it, none of it comes even close to this. And so, like you said, that final line from Starro, the, this polka dot man, who would have thought you'd enjoy polka dot man, even Milton. Oh yeah. Milton. Which was <laughs> like, Milton was like yeah. a fun stuff. Like, uh, like, because I at a certain point there's a character there's a character who they meet up through this resistance <laughs> group, and then he basically just drives them into into the capital so that way they can try and break into this place. But then you just notice that he's with them. He's like if you're there. if you're not paying attention, <laughs> you probably won't see him. But like it's like oh they're running into a building. He doesn't speak to any of them. But like in group shots, he's always there. And then at a certain point, he just like gets. I think like just shot and then and killed and then and then one of the characters goes oh no they killed Milton and everyone else is like who (laughs) and it's just it's it's such a great number one Harley Quinn moment but it also says something about like every every character on screen has purpose Back mm-hmm. to the 2016 version, they go into city with like a whole group of other soldiers, and it's unclear why because they're supposed to be the Suicide Squad, right? You send in the expendable ones and not the people who aren't expendable. So why do they have soldiers? And those Which, guys get killed off so they can keep the other characters alive. And it's just such a funny counterpoint to that. Question for you, Marcus, because the collars, you know, it's a, it's an in issue at the beginning it's an issue at the end but we don't really hear about the collars throughout the movie harley quinn loses hers <sighs> you know collars? how did you feel about oh, right. them as a device in this because i loved it i loved that it wasn't the big focal point of this movie well, that they've got these collars on we got to hear about the they, collars all the time they they have the the thing shot into their into their uh neck right yeah isn't it implanted it is yeah um Oh, so, oh, wait. They, so certain, well, the thing is, they said the collars were like, a uh, polka dot man has a collar because of his power dampening. His power, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I forgot that some characters also have collars. I guess, I mean, yeah. maybe everybody just has a collar. Uh, I mm-hmm. just felt like in the first one, it was like always thinking about these stupid fucking collars. Uh-huh. And it's like, who cares? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and well, this the, one, I'm like, just, you know. Yeah. The first one constantly has to remind you that there's some sort of time bomb because the characters don't have a reason to be participating so they have to constantly reiterate hey rick flag can press a button and then you can die in a second and it's like all right well he has his back turned and you could shoot him a thousand yeah. times before he would ever reach for this button the the eye in the sky i i do think we talked a little bit about um how it has this comic book pacing and tends to go on different asides. And I agree with you that like when you're, you're like, okay, now let's move with the suicide squad. And it's like, hold on, we're actually going to check in on Harley for about 12 minutes or something like that. It's like kind of jarring. They kind of do that again with the Amanda Waller story. Cause Viola Davis is great, but that whole bureaucracy of the thing isn't really interesting. No. And there is a point where they go, oh, no, their their mics cut out. And then they just so that way the characters can. Yeah, the characters can just have whatever discussions that they want to without fear of like repercussion from Amanda Waller, who's like a sociopath. Yeah. Um, And then it conveniently comes back in during the climax of the film when when things are supposed to be more urgent or whatever. Um, And it feels kind of like, hey, we're trying to clean up that mess that we have from the previous film. There's like things that we have to work within the 
the confines of, but we're just going to brush them aside when they're inconvenient and then bring them back in when they are. So I think all the stuff from like the previous movie is that is used in this is used in a way that is more appropriate. Like Amanda Waller, Mm -hmm. like, like that performance is very good. So Mm -hmm. she gets to still be the same character. She's the only character that's kind of like the same exact character. Like even Rick Flagg, like he's kind of a sillier version of himself. Yeah. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, more charismatic and more likable, but she is the same person. If anything, she's, you know, a little less violent because she's like murdering like her coworkers in the first one. But like she mm-hmm. is the same person. And they get to still have that performance while having her kind of contrast with the rest of the stuff that's going on. Her being mm-hmm. super serious and stoic is funnier because it she's talking to a, like a giant shark that you yeah. know, <laughs> is is a is a moron. So it mm-hmm. it works better, but it is still like kind of just the same stuff that we already had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's uh, the thing about it too is you also we haven't even really talked about Ratcatcher two. Like, there's a yeah. lot of characters oh, yeah. that are in this that like we haven't even talked about. Um, the thinker i love when you just throw in weird like it's basically a normal like uh dictator south american dictatorship or whatever and then there's also just a guy who has <laughs> nodes in his head and he's at the bar and no one really talks about it. like it paints yeah. a picture of a superhero world that's way more compelling than a lot of movies do where it's like superheroes oh they fly through the sky and i'm like well what about the postman like what does he think of you know captain america knocking down giant helicarriers or whatever like it 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 kind of paints a much more colorful world and i'm i'm totally down for it just as a whole yeah and like the father figure relationship between the rat catcher and blood sport like you really buy it doesn't feel contrived in any way Mm -hmm. especially you know given his relationship with his daughter uh none of it feels put on in any way Mm mm-hmm yeah and all the like the the traits of these characters like even like like the thing with the mom and polka dot man like it it's played it's stretched out maybe a little more than it needs to be but that is a thing you can latch onto with that character whereas like mm-hmm. again to reference the original like the pink Please unicorns do. for boomerang oh right like yeah. Oh, yeah. what is that what does it really matter like oh, God. Yeah. i'll take i'll take you know his mom the polka dot man's mom showing up over maybe a shot of a pink unicorn that doesn't amount to anything and doesn't do anything for the character well also they just they just (laughs) they don't even like show like it's you know obviously they say show don't tell but this is like the further (laughs) version of tell which is like read you know like it's like attributes like it gives you his attributes and that's like the thing because and you know when you're doing it because after the fact they realize they didn't have any of that stuff and so they're like oh we have to tell we forgot to tell the audience that this is important to them. how <laughs> do we is, do that this is the first movie in a while where um um i want to watch it again almost immediately because it's pretty dense and there's a lot of texture yeah. there's a lot of those just kind of one lines or little sides that you maybe aren't going to get on the first viewing too uh it, it's just there's like so much in it he he mm-hmm. every every line has significance every character has a point like the pink unicorns thing i totally forgot about because it was imagery without any function yeah. to, to the story or anything or even to the character like 
man, it's just, just Sometimes like, like this shot of her in the, in the window, like, oh God. Taika Waititi cameo. That's her yeah. dad. Yeah. 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 There's a lot um, to the movie and it, it, I, I, I also was like, oh, the second I got it, I'm like, I want to watch this again. And I watched it mm-hmm. while I was editing like my video for it. And I'm just, I'm catching up on, like I'm, I have the subtitles on now so I can see lines. And I'm like, I did not hear that line before. That's a funny mm-hmm. line. Yeah, it's 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 definitely jam packed. And it's it's again, it's frustrating because it shares a name with the, something that is the opposite of it. Yeah. And it's also it also exists in a much more chaotic cinematic universe. It's probably the only reason it, it is able to exist at all. I think that's why we have situations where it's like, oh, my gosh, like Wonder Woman was really good. Wonder Woman 84 wasn't good. Uh, Aquaman <laughs> was pretty fun. Like Suicide Squad was terrible. Yeah. Suicide Squad was good. Like, it, <laughs> you know, I think I think say what you will about the DC cinematic universe. You're more likely to get some of these things because it's like you're playing with the bad news bears as opposed to as opposed. It's honestly this is a better analogy. This is this is Helen Hunt's team in Twister versus Carrie Elwes's team in Twister. They got a whole grab bag of stuff. Some of them just love to eat chips and and drink Pepsi or whatever. And but then the others are super geniuses. And then with Carrie team, they all drive the same black van and stuff. I still enjoy the Marvel movies, but I just think this is just what you're going to get when you allow things to get mixed up. Yeah. Uh, something I, I need to to uh, like point out because I didn't realize it until I read it after seeing the movie. But then it it, it made everything make sense was this was the first movie that John Murphy scored since Kick-Ass. And you know John Murphy because he mm-hmm. ma- he wrote Adagio in D minor, which you've heard in everything. Mm-hmm. Kick-Ass, The Walking Dead, yeah, Sunshine. So. It's that... Mm-hmm. And there was a point watching Suicide Squad where these notes of the song started playing and I went, oh God, is is he going to... Does he have Adagio in D minor in this? Is mm-hmm. he going to use that? Like that song's been used in everything. I love it. It's It sets a, a tone and a mood immediately. But then it, but then it changed over, and I went, oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Of course, why would he? Of course he wouldn't. James, James Goodwin, he would know. He would know. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, it was John Murphy. Yeah, like, it was close. And that's, he got him. Yeah, he fucking got him. He fucking got him. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's hard to get John Murphy. I don't, I don't really know. But I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's another thing too. I mean, we we'll probably wrap this up in just a minute. But like the movie. Same. It acknowledges the old one because the my the old one is just gram, jam packed full of licensed music, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it means nothing. It it just means. <laughs> uh, I remember when I saw that in theaters. Someone that I was with got up to go to the bathroom, and by the by the time they came back, three licensed three <laughs> different licensed tracks had played. It was like you know he he missed. Uh, will the real Slim Shadies please stand up? Like all of these things were in there and they're just it's turbulent. Make, they, they don't make any sense. They have <laughs> they don't make any sense why they're there. And uh, it's almost this is uh, just a little aside. Did you watch you watched Loki? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. Marcus, that one thing that has we need a hero at the beginning of the episode during a fight scene. I don't remember that. They were like in a tent and it plays. We oh, need you're a right. hero. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense because it's like not the like the the song has a pretty clear theme, but the scene doesn't match at all. And it's weird. Um, 
it doesn't feel like that in this movie. It feels like they do use licensed tracks and it's generally purposeful, but they also have a great score and yeah. it's forgivable if you're going to use those for certain moments if there's other things that are happening and it's not playing will the real slim shady please stand up while <laughs> harley quinn is running down that harley uh, hallway with flowers and stuff popping out right yeah. like you can you can get away with those things for that reason um i don't want to drag this on too long because i feel like you know the last thing we want is people saying that this podcast felt like it maybe felt like a comic book, uh, too many issues. So I just want to open it up for, yeah, some final thoughts, Elise. Among my final thoughts, I'd like to issue a retraction. Uh, it has come to my attention that Starro was the first ever villain in the Justice League comics, which I did okay. not know. I didn't even know. That. Uh, I, cons- I considered your- Starro to, to be a bit of a trope, but now I'm wondering if Starro was the oh. one that started it all. Starro was the original. That's interesting. Maybe. Okay. Um, I don't think that requires a retraction. It's just clear. It's a retraction. The okay. internet's going to eat me alive. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The uh, Star Defenders. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, God, I want to watch this. I want to watch this again this mm-hmm. week. Like, I, God, it's, it's dense. It's fun. I, I, mm-hmm. James Gunn, he has a way. And I hope he never uh, feels his creative juices get bled dry. Yeah. Um, also, he did this movie with very little studio oversight, as he tells it. So let let good directors, auteurs mm-hmm. make movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mark, I, I think if DC movies keep doing this and like straying away from trying to make the Justice League stuff work, just have fun with it. But also, like you mm-hmm. said, it, I would like to make sure James Gunn doesn't get like overused or overworked because like he, he's kind of like it, it, he's. He has a good track record now, like with superhero movies, and he's working for both studios. So mm-hmm. I sometimes I can feel I feel like the Guardians, our characters are kind of getting a little, you know, I'm tired of them in some scenes. I'm like, OK, you know, I get James Gunn, mm-hmm. funny Guardian characters in space. I want to see, you know, more stuff that lets him kind of do whatever he wants to do, because mm-hmm. this is like, like you said, no tampering. And you can feel that, like, he gets to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if uh, DCWB have ever approached him about being their Kevin Feige architect of the DC map. Like kind of what I think Zack Snyder was originally supposed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder if they've ever been like James Gunn. BBR sure. Feige. I, I could see that. I could see them doing that. Like if that news came out like next week, I'd be like, yeah, I, that, that makes sense. I don't think they'd ever pull that trigger, though. They're yeah. they're so scatterbrained about what they want. They're, everything that they want changes, like as the as the seasons change. Yeah, and all their um, movies that are good, like that people would say are good, like Joker and this, like, and even like like people liked the the Snyder Cut for the most part. Mm-hmm. But they're all things that like are on their own. You can't make a franchise out of the Joker. You you, know, you mm-hmm. can't make a franchise out of a movie that is the director cut of the movie that actually came out. Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of yeah. in a weird position. I loved Aquaman. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jason Momoa, he came out recently to comment on the, you know, celebrities saying, Oh, I don't shower. I shower three times a day. I'm, I'm the rock. And people, cause someone said Jason Momoa didn't shower. And he was like, dude, I'm Aquaman. <laughs> I'm in the water all the time. And I was like, that's not a response. <laughs> yeah. um, that is not a response what are you hiding <laughs> being in the ocean does um, not count as a bath it, 
does yeah. not count as a bath. Trust but me. But I love the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely think that this is going to be... I, I, I'm not expecting a world where we get a bunch of these, and I also think that would be overwhelming too. But I am glad that I feel like I can sit back and relax as James Gunn, once every handful of years, comes out with a really a home run swing for a tired, exhausted genre. Um, we also didn't even get to mention Weasel, who also stole every scene that Weasel was in. Um, I, I was happy to see Weasel survive in the post credits, but uh, also is a little sad because the moment you know what this movie is, is when Weasel falls into the water and then Savant pulls him out and goes, he's dead. <laughs> like, like, it's just immediately like you immediately it so get funny. It sets the tone for everything. And you immediately like, I know what this movie's going to be. It's just a great it's moment. So funny. Yeah. Um, and there he is. There's Weasel. Just a great he's character. Dead. The main character. Love Weasel. Weasel's dead. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Marcus, for coming Thanks, on Marcus. Uh, thank you. and Thanks discussing this film. I'm glad, again, like I said, Echo Chamber, I had a feeling we'd all be on the same page. Uh, one out of ten for Suicide Squad, unprecedented. That's and right. it's one of the worst movies ever made. Um, and uh, and yeah, Marcus, uh, where can people find more of you? Uh, I'm on YouTube as the Cosmonaut Variety Hour. Um, we also have a podcast called Cosmonaut Tabletop where we play tabletop games like D and D and stuff like that. Ooh. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Cosmonaut Marcus. Hey, and you guys have a Patreon too, right? Yes. Because you make really, really great content that sometimes gets claimed or whatever. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, if you, mm -hmm. if you have, maybe wants to support us, we're on Patreon at Cosmonaut Variety Hour. Yeah, I think it's nothing different about the URL. It's probably the same thing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't want to invite myself onto your tabletop show, but if you're ever strapped for gas, let me know. Hey, right, okay. um, we, we'll talk about just that. Just did. Yeah, yeah, let me know. <laughs> um, and then uh, Elise Willems, thank you so much. Thank you, James, for having me. And, uh, <laughs> and just a little bit of housekeeping. Just so you guys know, one of the reasons we wanted this review to be special with Marcus is uh, is because Filmhouse will be coming to an end in a couple weeks. We're pulling the show back. We're going to start integrating some of those film discussions into our regular podcast. Um, but we are going out with a explosive bang. We are going to do a two-part film franchise war. We've done our brackets before. They've been zany. They've been crazy. This one's going to be the biggest one we've ever done. The largest film franchise franchises on the planet in at least uh, Western film uh, are going to be uh, battling with each other to figure out which is the best film franchise of all time. I think there's 64 films franchises that we're going to be debating mm -hmm. against. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be two parts. We hope you guys come and check it out. Thank you everybody for watching and supporting and uh, we will catch you next time. <laughs>